Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Please stand at attention, Sam. He's the University of Southern California Trojan marching band under the directorship of Dr. Arthur C. Bartner is in the house. Sports Radio 929 the game with com into the seven o'clock hour. And with Harper here, I I I just had to get that in. Had to work that in for you, man. Because uh I know you've heard that so many times yeah. and going to so It's many third games. and seventeen. Dun, <laughs> da, da, dun, dun, dun. It's fourth. It, it doesn't it, matter, right? They wear it out. <laughs> but if you're a Trojan, you don't care. That's you it. just don't That's care. It. That's but it's it. it's one of the, you know. Favorite fight song for you? What's your favorite uh, college oh, fight wow. song? Wow, I don't know. It, Come it, on, it, it, it might have been that one. I don't know. I, that's that's not. It's not the fight song either. No, it's not. No, that's it's not. Conquest. It's something you just used used to this. Spirit hearing. of Troy. Yeah. They've got a bunch of different yeah, songs. But different ones. do you and have the, a favorite? And the, and the dude on the white horse comes riding out there and throws the thing in the guy. <laughs> Traveler. I don't know. Come on, yeah, you do. I have a favorite one. You don't? I just like you know all of them. You know that's the thing about college football, and you get flavoring the things we get to do. Folks, for those of you who don't know, Harper and I usually, usually hang out a lot during the fall because we're part of the broadcast group for Georgia State football, and we have been since the program's inception, and we are incredibly thankful and grateful for that and respect to be joined by Dave Cohen here in the next segment. But um, you know, Don't get all teary-eyed on me, No, Sam. man, no, really. We, we've been there since, since the beginning. It's programs as infancy as uh, – and Coach Bill Curry would say the days with the the wasp and the hornets, and the red ants, the, the red ants. The guys getting bit by uh, red yeah, ants during stretching uh, at uh, oh my goodness. MLK, MLK Middle School. Yeah, so um, it, it goes all the way back to that. But great to uh, to be to to be that. And you know, you go to college stadiums, and they all have the flavor. And I I want to experience, the, you know, those different places. And following with the Panthers over the years, we had a chance to go to some places. It was great. You know, twice to Tennessee. The last one, I don't think we're going to be invited back. Uh, but but think about that, you know, just just Rocky Top, but for no reason, like you said, no reason to just start playing it, and it was cool to hear him playing it with the place half empty. That, that was that was so enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> that was Dave's so still <laughs> mad that we didn't get an extra field goal out of that. Oh yeah, know. you know, just to make the score he, he a little just, bit different. We'll, we'll talk. To, well, we don't want to bring that up because yeah. he he's a little harsh with that. Yeah, he is. Yeah, but yeah. you know, yeah, several different places that uh, as a small 
you know, non-Power 5 conference schools. And a fledgling program. Yeah. Just, just a young program. Going up to places like uh, Alabama that yep. first year yep. with Julio. Yep. You know. You look up and say, that's Julio Jones. Yeah. Well, I looked up and I, <laughs> I almost hurt my neck how big that stadium is. Yeah. You know, yeah. they were 106,000, I so, think, right like there. It, it's pretty amazing. So it you, is. You, you hear that? And you hear that fight song and, and some of the other, da, yeah. da, 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 you know, we've been to Tennessee, been to South Carolina. That? Yeah. Well, you we know. heard it all night that night. They, they, the band got tired of playing the fight song <laughs> that first game. What was it, 63 to 7? Oh, I think goodness. it was the yeah, final. Yeah, out, you know. Yeah, you know, Al Wilson had to run back that punt. That was cool. I, whenever I see him, I say, man, them people in Tuscaloosa are still trying to catch you. <laughs> yeah. But and they're the, mad what, they didn't get the shutout. What is, what, is, what is the game like out of Southern Cal? Tell me that, I, I, that's, that's, talk about a bucket list. That's something I, I still want to go to. I grew up watching those games because back when there was one game on on Saturdays, you know, back in the day, you're Keith Jackson. You know, it, it, He's a big six-foot, 200-pounder hey, out of Tuscaloosa, <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> You know, right? And so yeah, that's that's. And he yeah. lived in Sherman Oaks, okay, which is where I grew up. You know, I okay. never saw him. Dick Emberg was from there too. We had Vin Scully, Chick Hearn, Bob Miller. There was some Tom Kelly called the games real quick. I fell in love with college football and wanted to be a part of it because I went to an SC Notre Dame game when my cousin had was a student at Notre Dame. The nineteen seventy four game, it was twenty four nothing, and I talked to Rich McKay when I was up there just. Uh, not even a month ago for the practice. Yeah. And I said, Rich, I got to ask you something. When your dad coached this, he goes, Harper, I saw the highlights of that game just two weeks ago. So it's fresh in my mind. And I said, here's the thing. SC was down 24 nothing going into halftime. They scored a touchdown, went for two, didn't get it. And they came out and Anthony Davis scored the touchdown. They scored 55 unanswered points yeah. in 17 minutes of game time. Yep. I, I said that's the most dominating, and I felt we we had such a blast going over that. And do you remember the? And then after that, so for me, yeah. it was a game changer because it was a big game. Yeah, Notre Dame was number three in the country at that time, and Eric Parsegian retired within what two weeks of that game, something like that. Yeah, that that game knocked him out, and he and John McKay weren't buddy buddy. Yeah. Bear Bryant and John, John McKay, McKay were tight as I wish they were brothers. Rich, I wish that Rich would write the book. I really wish that Rich McKay would write the book about the relationship that his dad had yep. with Coach Bear Bryant. Yep. I, I think you know a lot of people would be surprised that they were from different worlds, but almost like brothers uh, when it came to the, the football. Injustice. They stopped what they were doing yes. to hang yes. out with one yes. another, yeah. which and is so rare in that, even that that time. But now, yeah. who, 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 who's, who's going to hang out with yeah, Nick? Who's got time for that now, right? You ain't got time for that. You know, you got to get, get some recruits on the phone. Speaking of recruits, uh, <laughs> high school football season's coming up. And yesterday morning, we had Jeff Fisher stop by and share something with us. And uh, he has a top 300 poll. If you go to High School Football America, and a number of people are going to put out preseason polls, but this is an early, some may see too early high school football poll nationally. And, um, you know, you being a native of California, everybody feels like California plays the best high school football. The folks in Texas say we're the best high school football. We got the biggest high school stadium. You got 30,000-seat stadiums at, at, at some of the high schools out there. You know, it's massive. And then Florida, the Florida people say, well, what about us? You know, everybody comes to Florida to try to get our talent. If you got guys from Florida on your roster, you're supposed to do something great for your football program. We think we got some pretty good ball players around here because, you know, during the spring, spring practice, I go to spring practice and I see coaches from all over the country at all levels. I mean, that, uh, showing up at some of the high schools to watch 
our talent. So this starts out in one and two, Martyr Day and St. John Bosco uh, in this list. In this list, And, you know, you know the history and the background of those folks. What make them so good? I played against St. John Bosco when I was in high school. They were in the same league that we are, and they've moved around a little bit, but um, they are a football factory. Yeah. I think I teased with you when you invited me to be on the show today. I said, it's like Lucille Ball. Remember when she was at the chocolate factory and yeah. they just started rolling out more chocolate and Lucy had to put some in her hat and down her dress? <laughs> yeah. and, and it's almost as if that's the way that that school has just become, I think, from an academic standpoint, it's a private school. Um, somehow or another, they're getting these top-flight kids. They're not only going there, but they're excelling there. They're getting mm. better and then – your SC, UCLA, Alabama is recruiting from there. When you get Nick Saban to come into town, it speaks volumes. Wow. And so it there's not a shortage for talent in any of the four areas that you mentioned. If you go to Los Angeles, let's say Dallas, you want to do Dallas or Austin? Does it matter? You could, they're synonymous with one another. Right. You go to Miami-Dade, you go to Atlanta, Georgia. You close your eyes, you th- you're a coach, you come into this part of the any of those four cities, you close your eyes, you throw a dart at a map, you're going to come up with five kids in that area. Wow. The, the five kids that you could recruit. Yeah. The biggest issue for all of them is, well, do they have the grades to get into my school? Yeah. And, and most of the time, especially here, yeah, they can get in. Yeah. There's, it, it, it's amazing. but you, You're right, though. That's a big part of the recruiting. You know, I'm going to go to this area, and I know the kids are going to be prepared. I don't have to worry about them qualifying academically. Can they cut, you know, based on the field and what we're going to demand from them there? But I think that also does give those college coaches a bit of comfort to come to an area and say, I know the kids are being prepared, and I don't have to worry about them getting in school. Yeah. yeah. Like my coach – my senior year, it was his first year. He didn't really understand uh, the recruiting process the way that others that had been in the business for 10, 15 years. And um, he turned away some players. Now, nah, you you really wouldn't be interested in him, coach. Maybe come back next year or two years or something like that. So, wow. But the junior college aspect, there's so many junior colleges, two-year educational centers. I don't want to use the word college again. But – Guys that may not be ready, Blinn. Remember Blinn? That's where Cam Newton Yo, and yeah. Jesse oh, yeah. Tuggle's son went to Blinn. Yeah. For, and, and they win a national championship. At the, at the, so there, there are places where you can go if you're not quite ready when you're 17, but you think you might be ready by 18 or 19, you can, you can get it. Yep. It's there. Yep. Scott yep. Case, my roommate for a couple years while I was here in Atlanta, went to a junior college in Oklahoma. Barry Switzer calls him up one day, and the rest is history. Yep, absolutely. It Man. worked out just fine for him, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. So some guys, but, you know, these these high schools, and there's one in Maryland, Nevada, Florida, Florida, Georgia. Buford is number seven. Buford is number seven overall. In the country. And, 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 and you know what? They got a little extra added incentive up there, but they always got incentive. But they're coming off of you when they didn't win state championship. And so I know that gets some folks' attention <laughs> up there. And uh, you They know, only play 12 games. That is unheard of. Yeah. They're always playing after Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Absolutely. But Absolutely. not last year. Yep. They, they go out at 11-1, and one, and that's uh, unusual for them. They're the highest-ranked team that Jeff has in this poll from the state of Georgia at 7. Uh, next from Georgia, we got Colquitt County. And, uh, my goodness, they're at 18 in this poll. And there's a team down in South Georgia that you want to – 
you know, watch for this year. In the past, it's been Lowndes or Valdosta, but this year, you know, Colquitt. And we've seen those guys be strong in the past. And it uh, looks like they're the team that we're going to be watching this year. Uh, and they're moving on without Rush. Yep, yep. Who got a new job? Hale City High School. Did you know this? Coach Rush Probst is in. He's back in Alabama. And um, he, he, isn't there a song? Oh, that's back in Indiana. I'm yeah, teasing. Yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, he's hey. got his own song. I'm back we, 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 in we, Alabama. Here's the thing. Usually, he's been at programs that have had success, and he goes in and then he makes them this unbeatable machine. The way he builds builds teams up. That's what he did. Colquitt's what he did at Hoover and Hoover, Alabama. Pale City, I think, was one and nine last year. That's going to change. Is it? Maybe. Depends on the talent level. I you think, know that as I, well as I do, Sam. I, I think the school hasn't had a winning season since, like, I think I read 2015 or something and hadn't made the playoffs since, like, 2017. Is that like our friend George Pugh? Remember at Georgia State when he ends up going to Meadow Creek? No. It's, had, no, 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 no well, that, Meadow Creek didn't turn around a, a lot during, during that time. He got and they won, like, one or two games. <laughs> I think. I'm keeping an eye on Pale City scores this this season, yeah, and see what happens. And I'm not saying he's doing anything out of out of the out of the, the norm or whatnot. He 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 wins, and I don't think he goes anywhere where he doesn't know he's going to have a chance to win. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's he's, he's going to do that. A kid's going to drop out of the sky. Yes, they are. Kids, are, <laughs> you're going to see parachutes kids drop it in at Pale City, Alabama. A lot of people don't even know where Pale City, Alabama is, but they will find it. Um, and and he's going to put together a program that's going to be it's going to be good whether it wins state championship or not. Is there know. anything more fragile, and I'm using that word very carefully, than being a high school football coach? Meaning, what you had last year could be completely different, and you have to change and alter and mold a completely different. You one year you've got road graders and big offensive linemen that everyone weighs, weighs 265 pounds at yeah. the high school level. That's that oh, you know yeah. oh, you're. Yeah. You're not all going to have 300-pounders. But then the next year, your heaviest guy is 190. And wow. what what do you do then? You got you got to change your whole – that's why the spread, in my opinion, because you always have small, fast guys. Yep. If you don't, shame on you. But if you have big road eaters, right? You, you can go out there and just – You can see. do just about anything in the run game, but you better protect your quarterback. And I think that's – and Rush takes credit for the spread. Basically, he said, that's my offense. I, yep. I did it. Yeah. For him to take advantage of that at the high school level is, you know, it it, it, it was revolutionary. Yeah. Because it used to be three yards in a cloud of dust. Well, especially, then, especially in South Georgia. Especially in that. that they, they held on to that for a long time, the schools mm-hmm. there. And he went down and opened things Wishbone, up. wing, oh, T. Oh, veer, veer. Option. <laughs> veer, yeah, the veer option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch it to somebody. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's what you saw down there. But he kind of changed that quite a bit. You gotta have a good. You gotta have a quarterback. That Absolutely, you trust. that was. I was just gonna say, if yeah. you don't have a quarterback, forget it. Yeah, yeah. But you you're know. gonna invest in that guy from the time he's probably in sixth grade, seventh grade. He's gonna run those same plays over and over at the Pop Warner and the yeah. the middle school level. On the way up. On the way up. All right, folks. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, um, there is a veteran quarterback returning for the Georgia State Panthers. We're gonna talk about that and more with Dave Cohen, the voice of the Panthers. You stay with us. It's Sam Crenshaw along with Harper Lavelle, Max working on the other side of the glass. On this Sunday morning here on Sports Radio 1990 Game at 1990Game.com.
Sports Radio, 929thegame.com. Can't do it with a straight face, can you, Sam? <laughs> Can't play that song with this guest. With this. Uh, it, it, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. We figure out a way to do it. Sam Crenshaw, along with Harper Lavelle, with you on this Sunday morning. Glad you're with us uh, here on Sports Radio 929 The Game. And thanks for taking us along with us if you're riding along, if you're traveling, if you're coming through town. Uh, wherever you are, and if you're taking if you're taking off, you got to skip town for a couple of days. Uh, don't forget to download the Odyssey app and keep in touch here with Sports Radio 929 The Game. As promised, as promised, you know, and as that music would, would let anybody who knows this man know, uh, we can sp- set to spend some time with the voice of Georgia State Panthers. Dave Cohen joins us now uh, on the Wait for It tail on the Wait for It hot uh, Wait for It hotline. Talk about this guy joining us right now and. I don't know where he's at, where he's been, Harper, but uh, parts unknown. Here we go, Dave. Good morning, Harper and Sam. Good morning. How y'all doing? <laughs> doing great. Now that we hear you, man. Well, happy to be up early and uh, be on with you too. Just back from vacation, and uh, won't be long before Sam. You're patrolling the sidelines and uh, hanging out in the radio and TV booth with us down at Center Park Stadium as uh, we start. What is it, Harper, year 14 of Georgia State football? Yeah, something like that. Is Sam's limo the one that takes him to and from everywhere he goes? Has that been cleaned yet? Is somebody, or is is it being preserved? What's going on with the limos? They're working on it. I saw it the other day when I came out of the uh, loading dock area of the stadium. Getting it ready, getting it shined up. It always is idling, waiting for Sam. Once the game is over, as you and I are going to our own vehicles, Sam is whisked off in his <laughs> See that, limo. That. Well, they and, take the uh, helicopter the from the 50-yard line to the parking lot. See, that just, is just, just too come much. on. That is That's, just too you got to take your royalty when, you, when folks, you're around Sam you Crenshaw. Know, look, folks, we, we got we got a football season coming up. And, Dave, it has been a uh, uh, an off-season of change for the Panthers, obviously. Uh, some new faces uh, and some familiar faces who get a chance to increase their roles. That's, uh, I think that's what we're going to see with this uh, Georgia State team. Yeah, no question, and isn't that the truth for just about every college football team in the United States getting ready to fire things up? Georgia State, as you said, will have some uh, positions and some areas that we'll see a lot of familiarity, and then we're going to look and we're going to say, where are those? where's this guy? Where'd that guy go? Because, you know, the transfer portal has changed everything, as you guys know, and some of what we'll call Georgia State's better players at the end of last season uh, – are going to be playing elsewhere. Um, so we were affected by that, as was a lot of programs. And But we were also the beneficiary of that as well uh, with some of the transfer portal players that Coach Elliott and his staff brought in. And You know, I, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, around this time of the year, you start getting the questions, well, how's Georgia State going to look this year? And it's like, well, in certain areas, they're going to look like this and they're going to look like that. And then I say, i got to be honest with you, in other areas, I'm not sure yet because we've got so many new faces. So it's really kind of hard to tell. You can talk about the schedule a little bit. It's, it's another kind of challenging schedule here coming up in year 14. But at some positions, as Coach Elliott tells me, uh, competition is a good thing. And I, I think that once they start, and I know they're doing a lot of work off season in the weight room, but uh, once we once they hit the field for a spring uh, for fall football practice, it's going to be interesting to, to see how the chips fall and and who's able to win out, win the positions. Uh, certainly, the offensive and defensive lines 
you know, we're going to see some new faces. Running backs are going to see some somewhat new faces, faces we've seen, but guys that have kind of moved their themselves up the depth chart, you know, based on uh, graduation and eligibility running out. And um, so it's going to be interesting to watch. It's uh, it's definitely a turning point. I think it's obviously the first season where the transfer portal has truly had a, a, a larger effect on your roster building and the, the ability to uh, put a product out on the field. You know, it's interesting, Dave, when you bring up the, the portal, um, how, you've had more of an opportunity to visit with uh, Sean Elliott, but uh, give, give an idea of, the kind of madness that you got to go through in terms of a coaching staff, not just for him specifically, but also for college football coaches all around. Is there anything that you've noticed specifically about how this is going to transpire over the next couple of years? Is it going to morph into something better, or is it just going to be this giant gambit at the end of every year where you've got a, 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 a croaker sack full of players that are just going to leave if they're not getting the amount of playing time that they want? Yeah, well, that's certainly what it looked like coming out of the season last year. I mean, you could you could look at it and say that Group of Five football will turn into what we'll call AAA for Power Five football. Power Five will look every year at the end of the season, and they'll look at their wants and needs and desires to build their program, and I'm talking at the Power Five level. And part of that recruiting process, because I think we just saw it, and Georgia State was affected by it to a certain extent, they're going to look at some of the better players at group of five and begin to kind of, for lack of a better term, pluck or call up players from group of five to power five. I mean, what guy playing college football at any level doesn't want to play at the power five level if given the opportunity. And it might be a situation where coming out of high school or junior college or whatever it is, they weren't quite ready to be a power five player. They needed that, that season or two. And, uh, you know, certainly I think we've seen that with Georgia State. If you just run down the list of guys that uh, were in a Georgia State uniform last year that are not in a Georgia State uniform this coming season. So, obviously, uh, NIL and the transfer portal put together have provided a new opportunity, new avenues for players to move uh, into different situations, not have to sit out a year, at least now. And um, I think it'll definitely – it, I mean, and obviously it runs both ways because you're going to get kids that are coming out of Power 5 who for some reason or another were not able to maybe move up and down the depth chart like they thought they would. And then on the on the highway going the other way, you're going to, again, you're going to see a group of five players who are going to be given the opportunity uh, that they have earned by playing at the group of five or, you know, really any other division as well because it's not just group of five players that are moving up, but Certainly that, that college football recruiting highway for coaches has become a lot busier in both directions with regards to building and maintaining a roster from season to season to season. Yeah, yeah, folks. Spending time on the waitforit.com outline with Dave Cohen. He's the voice of Georgia State Panthers. He is social. You can find him on Twitter at G State at Georgia State Voice, at G A State Voice on Twitter. He's there. I'm social, all right. Yeah, he is social. He's really so. Yeah, we had to work on him to get him to get to get him there, but he is there. Uh, Dave, talk about you know the fact that yeah, you do have some guys who are, who are coming down, but it also speaks, and and I'm sure that other teams around the Sun Belt are doing it too. Why? Because Sun Belt teams beat the Power Five teams when they, when they have a chance, and and we've had a chance to 
to experience that at Georgia State. I think that also attracts the attention of of of, of some of those schools we play. And I'll, and I'll I give one of our examples is Antavius Lane, who the past two years has been on the field against North Carolina, up there and here this year he'll be playing for them. I think I think the certain conferences I think are, are are kind of a target, and I think Sun Belt is that because the Sun Belt programs do that, and that also is a tribute to the coaching and the recruiting that, that they're able to do at, at a level throughout our conference. What you think? Oh yeah, no question. Certainly, the bright lights that have shown a little brighter on the Sun Belt week in and week out, and television plays a big part of that, obviously, as does radio, but. Obviously, TV has, has shown the rest of the country the level of football being played in the Sun Belt week in and week out. We had that great weekend last year, Sam, and, and Harper, you guys remember, actually it was the weekend that we almost beat North Carolina at uh, Center Park Stadium, but Marshall goes up and beats Notre Dame, and Appalachian State goes out and beats Texas A&M, and Georgia Southern goes and beats Nebraska. And you're right, Sam, I mean, the Sun Belt is is quickly reaching a point where on any given Saturday or Thursday night or Friday night, whatever it is that we're playing, when you put a Sunbelt team on the field against a Power Five, it's not necessarily looked at anymore as just a guarantee game. Team B, the Sunbelt team going to Team A, the Power Five team, to collect a check and play a game and lose. Now, obviously that does still happen, but you know, had Georgia State beaten North Carolina last year in that shootout here in Atlanta, boy, what a weekend that would have been, you know, for Sunbelt football. And, and that, that weekend anyway, with the three games that I mentioned, all of a sudden everybody across the country is talking and looking at Sunbelt football, taking a closer look than maybe they would have. You know, I think it's weekends like that and then, you know, some other games over the last however many years that have shown that, the, the brand of football in the Sun Belt is top every week, week in, week out, top players. And, you know, it's uh, especially with the four teams that the, that the Sun Belt added last year uh, has certainly, you know, brought a wider audience to the league with James Madison, Old Dominion, Southern Miss, and Marshall. Um, you know, the Sun Belt, football-wise and basketball-wise, for that matter, is, uh, you know, it, it's – it hasn't reached a peak, but it's definitely if you're looking at uh, if you're looking at one of those charts with conferences arrows going up, arrows going down, arrows going sideways. Sunbelt would definitely be one of those conferences right now where the arrow is definitely headed in an upward trajectory. With Dave Cohen, the voice of the Georgia State Panthers for what is it, 40 years now, Dave? Happy 60th birthday! You just had that. Hey, real quick, you, you're talking about the. The players. What about the coaches? There's a lot of coaches that uh, get an increase, and Georgia State has had uh, a few that have made some some moves here recently. Uh, coordinators, especially. What What do you think about the challenge for guys like Sean Elliott, to, who's one of the longest tenured coaches now in the Sun Belt, to uh, have to fill his staff because the the players themselves can go into the portal, but the coaches get uh, picked out also to go to bigger universities and coach there. Well, no question. I mean, look, just look at our situation with offensive coordinators. You know, Brad Glenn, what was it, Harper, two years ago, leaves and goes to Virginia Tech. And then Josh Stepp steps into that role and is not able to stay long enough uh, to actually be on the field or in the booth as, as an offensive coordinator. He ends up heading to Louisville, and he's now at Cincinnati. I think Brad Glenn is also at Cincinnati. 
and then you throw in um, uh, defensive coordinator Nate Fuquay. I mean, he left at, or he had an opportunity to leave at the end of last year or, you know, during the summer. He's at Cincinnati. And then fortunately for Coach Elliott, uh, he was able to bring in a new defensive coordinator with solid knowledge of the Sunbelt Conference because he brings in Chad Staggs, who had been at Coastal Carolina. So, yeah, you're right. It's just, you know, but it's always been like that for coaches. You know, it's it's obviously only been in the last couple of three seasons where players have been able to move, um, you know, up and down with without the penalty of sitting out. Coaches have always been able to do that. But you're right, Georgia State has been hit by that offensive coordinator spot the last two years. This year, defensive coordinator spot. But I think Coach Staggs coming in is going to bring, uh, you know, again with his background and his knowledge of the Sun Belt. You know, he's going to be able to step right in and uh, and be what we'll call an impact coach, Harper and Sam. You guys, we're always talking about impact players. I think that Coach Staggs will be able to come in with some new faces because we did lose some pretty good players uh, to graduation and to the portal on the defensive side of the football. But I think all in all, uh, we'll be able to, to take those blows at a much better rate because of the fact that you were able to bring in a guy like Coach Staggs who already has a, an excellent working knowledge of the conference. Yep, yep, folks. Spending time on the waitfor.com hotline with Dave Cohen, voice of the Georgia State fans. There's got a couple of questions, maybe one more if we're going to be up against it here in a minute, Dave. Just thoughts about this team, though, and there is a core, like you said, a core of veterans that are back. We're starting with Darren Granger on offense, and you got those tag team duo of linebackers on your defense. Those are gonna, guys are going to be back to really lead the way for this team, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, thank goodness that uh, Darren will be back. Darren Granger at quarterback, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, that's a guy that was, uh, you know, one of our top three running backs, uh, you know, last year. Tucker Gregg and Jemias Williams have both graduated and move on. And fingers crossed. I know Jemias has uh, been able to be in, a, in an NFL a rookie summer camp. And then I think he's in the USFL right now. But, you know, both those guys were great student athletes at Georgia state and they really have paved the way from the running from the running game spot to make room for guys like Marcus Carroll and Casey Adams and Jay Dixon and Jalen Foster. And then they brought in a, again, a transfer running back from Maine and Freddie Brock. So that hopefully the running game, um, you know, y'all were, it's, it's a numbers game, obviously, Hopefully they'll able to, uh, you know, maintain the running back level uh, of production that uh, we've had, you know, with Jemias and Tucker. But the fact that Darren is back certainly, uh, it, you know, goes a long way for is for consistency stake to uh, to keep that running game going. And then, you know, like you said, uh, you know, we lost our statistically our best wide receiver to uh, the transfer portal. So, you know, he'll look for guys like Robert Lewis and Jakaius Cradle and Talik Williams, and they brought in a couple of new kids, one of them Jakari Carter from Merrimack College up in Massachusetts. I see Jakari is coming in being an impact player. And then, like you said, Sam, uh, you know, anchoring that defense with, with everything they lost up front and, and, in, the, uh, and in the backfield, uh, it's still Jordan Venzial and, and Blake Carroll coming back from injury that are going to anchor that defense. It's, it's one of those things when you wake up in the morning and you head out to practice. I would imagine from a coaching standpoint, you can breathe a little bit easier knowing that, that Jordan and Blake are back 
and right there at those two middle linebacker spots. Because they lost some pretty good players. You mentioned Antavius Lane, Quavian White by graduation, Jamil Muhammad by transfer portal, Thomas Gore by transfer portal, uh, you know, the few others, Jeffrey Clark by transfer portal. So, you know, they're going to look a little bit different on defense along the line and in the backfield. But you're right, with Jordan and Blake there, it, it certainly makes the transition from uh, from last year to this year a little easier. And fingers crossed that Blake comes back 100% healthy. Absolutely, absolutely. You want to see that happen because they are really crucial to the success of this team. It all starts on August 31st. That's a Thursday night in primetime. Georgia State hosting Rhode Island to get things started. Uh, teams from up the coast, uh, up the East Coast, to start the season with Rhode Island and then UConn, um, the, and two uh, two home games to start the season for Georgia State. Uh, looking forward to that, Dave. Looking forward to the team getting back to start the the fall camp to get things going for the season. Looking forward to being with you for another season uh, for Georgia State football. We thank you for getting up with us this morning, man. We appreciate. It. I know you're just back from Florida, but always great spending some time for you. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, same here, Sam. Best part of the year, getting to hang out with you and Harper and Rick yep. uh, week after week after week. So, yeah, looking forward to August 31. And, you know, before that, Sam, we'll be sitting and uh, patrolling the sidelines fall practice. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you. Looking forward to it, man. It's always great to hang out with the, the Hall of Famers when we work in Georgia State football. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Dave. All right, folks, that's we get you set for Georgia State football. That's going to be, a, you know, a great time. Some new faces. You want to come out and check this team out. Like I said, 7 o'clock, August 31st is the first game against Rhode Island. And you see what happens with this team. They got some new faces, but a nice nucleus of, of veterans returning for this Georgia State team. And I think they're going to go out and have a great season. All right, coming up, top of the hour, we're going to be joined by the Predator. Ah, yeah, John Abraham's going to be in the house with us. Up next, we got Max's World. As always, at 740, you stay with Sam Crenshaw along with Harper LaBelle on this Sunday morning on Sports Radio 929 The Game and 929thegame.com. Sports Radio, 9290 Game at 9290Game.com. Sam Crenshaw along with Harper LaBelle. Uh, welcome you back. We're nine floors up in the Kia Studios. Bright, sunshiny day outside on this Sunday morning. Going to be nice and hot. If you heard that and you've been to, uh, you may have been to Columbia to a football game. We went over there last year. We heard that song a lot. 14 to 12, Sam. Yeah. I still have a picture yeah. of my computer with the score and the field down below. It was 14 to 12. Wow. The Georgia State Panthers were ahead. Of the University of South Carolina Gamecocks, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. early in the fourth quarter. Wow, um, to be on the sideline doing that was pretty amazing. But That's how the, did it finish up? Didn't yeah. finish up so good. No, nah, they nah, blocked nah. two punts, returned them for ah, touchdowns, both nice. of them, and uh, picked off Spencer Rattler the, twice. Yeah, picked him off twice. What I was amazed was with, not scared of him. And our guest who will be with us shortly. Yeah. What I was amazed with was the student section and how much fun they were having. Oh yeah, man! The coach was involved. The alumni. It, it was an event. Yep. And everybody seemed like they were having a great time. Yeah, yeah. SEC yeah. football. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing, well, especially at that place. And the guy coming up is going to share some knowledge because he lived that and he's been a big part of that. But we're gonna do. We usually do it this. So on, on weekend mornings at 7.40, we go up with Max behind the other side of the glass. Uh, it's Max's world. 
what's going on. This man's got podcasts. He's got show. He's got all kind of stuff going on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. It's kind of hard to live up to your hype, Sam. Oh, I appreciate no, it, though. No, thank dude, you. Come on now. You got it. I just wanted to touch on a couple different things. So just to give people a brief synopsis of what's going on in the NBA, we've talked about it um, plenty of times now about how well the NBA does on the offseason. It's talked about. People yeah. talk about it. So yeah. just to give people a brief – it's so hard to keep track of everything. It's impossible. So I'm not here to break down every single player's contract, but just to let you know some of the biggest ones and then my takeaway of it. So Austin Reeves is one of the biggest conversations around the Los Angeles Lakers. Are they going to be able to keep him? He stepped up big time in the playoffs. They didn't know if they were going to lose him, but it looks like they kept him to a four-year, $56 million deal. We also have LaMelo Ball. $260 million five-year deal to the Hornets. Yeah. Um, and then we keep continuing on. The Clippers keep Russell Westbrook, two-year deal, $8 million. So they're definitely a contract-friendly um, contract for the Clippers, and Russell Westbrook still stays in a situation to contend. You have Sabonis for the Kings. Yep. Signs a five-year, $217 million I deal. I saw that. I saw that. And just to give you another one, uh, Dylan Brooks. And I know it's kind of he's been the subject of some yeah. awkward conversations, but he finds himself having a four-year, $80 million contract with the Houston Rockets. And last but not least, the breaking news before I get my takeaway on these contracts, Damian Lillard has officially requested a trade from the Portland Trailblazers. Now, to clarify, a lot of people are like, oh, what's new? He never actually formally requested a trade. So right. we would hear these rumors. We know that he's flirted with the idea. We know that he wasn't interested in the whole let's just rebuild process and let's be around young players. He wants to contend and win now. And we've known him as the loyal guy. He's not interested in the teaming up. Even when he's expressed possibly leaving, he doesn't want the superstar type of team. Clearly, the Miami Heat has been the front runner of this. Pat Riley, we all know he's going to try to get this done. And I feel like he truly does embody that culture, that grit, that dog mentality. Jimmy Butler has it. The Heat culture has it. It's not a superstar-flooded team. It's not like he's joining a super team, but it's a team that's contending. It's a well-run team and a position to win now. And I think it checks all the boxes. So we're looking at a three-team possible trade. That's what Portland wants. Tyler Hero's in the mix for the Miami Heat. Um, and then also, if you're Portland – Normally, when you lose the superstar, especially in the NBA, you feel like you lost. Right. But now, I feel like for all parties involved, it makes sense. Because if you were ever going to move off Dame, you have a young guy like Scoot Henderson. You have Simons as well in the backcourt. So it's not like your fan base is just going to lose all faith. Like, they understand, hey, we actually still have a bright future despite Dame leaving. And if you're Dame, you win. If you're the Heat, you win. So this is one of those trades where I feel like unanimously, very rarely do you see all teams involved win. And I feel like everyone would there. Um, lastly, with all these different contracts going out and supermaxes, I wanted to ask you guys this. The NBA, we already said in the first two days, has spent over now $1.3 billion worth of contracts. Well, these teams have. Like, that's how much money's being dealt. I truly believe, and now the market is different than what my take is, there's been plenty of supermax players, plenty of max players. But I think there's only like six, seven guys that you could truly say is a supermax you could win a championship with. LeBron has proven it, and maybe at this point in time you could debate that, but I just still feel confident saying he could be the best player on the best team in moments. We have Giannis clearly, Jokic clearly, Steph. Yep. And then the other three guys, KD, I believe you can, even though he technically hasn't like led a team, but he's been the best player on the championship team. And Luka and Tatum are right there. 
that I feel like they have the talent of a number one. We're waiting to see if they could do it. Tatum's obviously been to a finals. But when I look at some of these contracts, I understand that's what the market is like. But what do you guys think about offering these guys $260, $300 million to a guy who may not be able to lead you to a championship? Obviously, it's not always a one-guy thing. It's a team. But we only have a handful of guys that have truly shown, if you give me this money, I can be the number one and win it. Like Dame, Trey, Ja, and B, Jimmy. I'm okay if you do that. But some of these guys are getting that type of money, and are you really going to get the value that you put in? And I wanted your take. Wow, that, that's, the, that, that's the thing. If, if you're counting on one guy to be that, I mean, and I don't know. I mean, we, we just saw a guy with Denver who was the one guy, and most of the time he's setting the table for everybody else. He dominated the game sometimes without even scoring. So how you put the value on, on a guy, you know, I don't know, Harper, how, how, how you evaluate or want to put – that on on somebody to say, oh, come in, you got the keys to the car, but we're expecting you to do all this. So as a former player and looking at it from a player standpoint, if LeBron gets this and they win 55 games and I'm on a team that wins 52 games, should I get the same money that he – or get close to it? Mm. Everybody's trying to get more and more. And Roger Clemens a few years ago was my example. Roger Clemens would win 19 games – he was the highest paid player in the game. And then next year, there's a guy that wins 16, and he gets pretty close to Roger. Yeah. And then Roger renegotiates two years later, <laughs> and he gets a bump. He gets a pay raise. So I think you're seeing the domino effect of that take place. But, Max, the interesting question, there's only one team that's going to win, but if at 10 or 11 or 15 teams are all paying a guy the equivalent amount of money, there's going to be 14 of those teams and fans from those teams that are going, hey, wait a second, we paid all this money for this guy and we didn't win a championship with him. Yeah, exactly. So where does the value yeah. come in that? The, the the competitive aspect of it is, okay, it's going to cost this much to put this player, Kyrie Irving, give him an example. He just signed a big deal the other day. Um, personally, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to win with Kyrie Irving or not. I don't know. I don't know. Nobody does. But you right. hope that you do, and the amount of money that you put into it would obviously say, we believe in you. And it's going to take two. Last time I checked, there's five guys on the court. So Kyrie and the other four, how are they, how are they going to gel together? And will they be able to get to the second, third, and fourth round of the playoffs? Right. And there's so many ways. It's a copycat league almost in any league, right? So you see the Wildcat offense or you just see what's working. Uh, you look in the NBA, everyone started shooting three. The Warriors did it. The Rockets all of a sudden went all in and they shot too many threes. And so – We've seen the aggressive team, let's get a bunch of stars and try to win, kind of work with Miami. But I think they were a little bit of an exception because they were just a bunch of like, very smart, get-it guys. We've tried, to, we've seen it in uh, Brooklyn. And now we're trying to see if Phoenix can do it, where they're paying almost all of their money for about three or four guys, but they may lack depth. But then on the other hand, we've seen a team like the Denver Nuggets or a team even like the Golden State Warriors where people – Naturally, you think of a star-flooded team, but they didn't just go in free agency besides that Kevin Durant move and just sign a bunch of guys. They built this organically through the draft, and they developed these guys, and of course they were blessed to be all-time great players, so it worked out perfectly. But that's what I'm really interested to see because we see all these contracts being handed out, and I think you have to be very careful despite the market who you give the most money to because it's going to limit on who you can sign as well. Or just a few years ago, you have Toronto win it all and then they break up within a short amount of time because they, all their guys want to go make big money somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. So just to keep an eye out, NBA free agency, we talk about the NFL is the most watched sport in America, but the NBA has done a terrific job of just who's going to go where. What are the, like, what are the Hawks going to do? We just 
traded John Collins after years of speculation and flirting with the idea, and now you have this cap space. I'm curious if it is a Pascal Siakam or if it is a Jalen Brown next year, or is it just a salary cap move? So, Do you like the idea, Max, of being different? For example, you mentioned football just a moment ago. Football has the draft, then free agency, mm. and then it's free agency and the draft. You know, the, whether or not those work in correlation with one another. Do you think that there should be a change in the way the basketball does it, or are you happy with the fact that they, they have the draft and then they're going to have all the free agency and put your pieces together in accordance from a timeline, and then next thing you know we're going to be in training camp? That's a great point. That's a really good question. I actually like the way they do it. I think it just keeps them not only relevant, but it makes sense. Okay, let's do But actually the rebuttal now that I think about it, Depending on who you get in the offseason, that could change who you draft. And so there's two ways to look at it. But so far it's worked what the NBA is doing because the offseason has continuously grown and grown in popularity, especially with social media. Not everyone watches everything, so they love going on Twitter and just seeing what's the newest news and having a reaction. Um, so I think the order and the sequence of they do things, we talked about the summer league now. So you draft these guys, you sign these players, and now the people can say, okay, let's see these young players play. Then it's the summer league. Before you know it, it's the season. So they've done a really good job at just staying relevant. And then, of course, the game is global. And so you have games everywhere. Yeah, that's the thing I was going to mention, Sam, real quick, is that the uh, the way baseball and football are kind of different in the fact that not everybody can play those. Soccer, yeah. of course, is the most international of all, but I right. think basketball is catching up. And you don't have to be seven feet. It sure helps, but, you know, to have – a a hoop in your backyard or one down the street that you can play in. But the, I think the way that they've marketed the business and allowed for players from other parts of the world that have succeeded here uh, it, it, exponentially, they've been able to grow faster than some of the other sports, in my opinion. That is where the bigs are coming from to me. Once again, this is a big man's game. For, for a few seasons, like with Golden State, it didn't matter who the center was. You know, you weren't counting on it for point. Now it's become a big man game with Embiid, you know, with Giannis, now you got Jokic, you got a 7-5 you just drafted, and these are guys that can face the basket. It's not that old Nate Thurman, throw me the ball down in here. It's, it's a different type game. Yeah. Anthony Davis at 7 yep. feet refuses to go inside. He wants to shoot he threes. <laughs> and but to your point, they're all international. Yeah, like the best players right all, now are international. All, all international players. That's the thing that's happened with, with the game, um, thanks to the Dream Team, right? Yeah. That, that kind of set that in motion back in 92. Yeah. We better get better. If you're Brazil or another country, we better get better. And they have. Yeah. They have. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Max, always great, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're headed for the 8 o'clock hour. That's going to be our final hour this morning, folks, uh, because we're done at 9 o'clock. John Fricky's going to come your way at 9. Of course, getting us all ready for Atlanta United that's coming up later today. They're home against Philadelphia. You can hear it all here, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Coming up next. The Predator is in the house. We're going to spend some time with John Abraham in studio with Sam Crenshaw and Harper LaBelle on this Sunday morning on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and 92.9thegame.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 